1: Celebrate. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Light years is so fucking crazy to me. It's so crazy. light years is so fucking crazy to me it's so crazy hey andy sam what's wrong what's wrong this guy's got just look at his face he's just do he's you smiling up. but he looks fed up i know do we, coming. do we owe coming. adam silver an apology oh because I, i'm seeing baseball without their bubble um you know I, it was great to watch some live sports, for, and it, it, we got all of three days before the other shoots started dropping. My Giants yeah. split a series against the best team in baseball. I mean, come on. I mean, they're not the best team, but whatever. Right. Uh, no, no, they are the Vegas favorites. we we'll call them the best <laughs> team it's all. Otherwise, uh, what I was going to say is, um, you know, all the people who spent multiple months talking about how the bubble is a terrible idea all of a sudden are now using the bubble as proof that MLB is a worse idea, and I just think it's funny. Uh, I think it's pretty funny. It's uh, well, to me, it almost seems like a, um, a lesser of two evils if you're going to start sports at this point. And to me, for I still, I still think like you're right in saying you know maybe the NBA shouldn't be playing games from a safety perspective. But man, not doing the bubble, Sam. I mean, I think just even an idiot can kind of just say if you're gonna to try to play sports with 30 teams <laughs> and you're gonna not just constantly getting on planes across the country yeah how does it make any type of sense and this uh, is what I actually I actually have a different take than you um, in terms of they have to try I what I don't get is people who want private businesses and sports to not try but but if you were to there are smarter ways and dumber ways to that's do it that's exactly think, exactly and i my think part. objectively <laughs> i never understood why people were anti the bubble um other than they just want to shop in misery porn their whole life you know <laughs> it's just like you, there's a specific and, and this is probably an online thing but there is a specific caliber of sports writer media personality who is just addicted to misery and they just want to see things fail. And so like they got so excited that baseball, you know, the, the Marlins situation and God knows where that's going. Like, I think you agree with me. You you hope it doesn't um, ruin baseball season. In your mind, you don't know that you believe that, but you hope because it's fun to have it back. I think most people um, that aren't as Twitter online as us or, or most of the people that are online uh, are probably pretty happy that sports is back. I know a lot of people that I hang out with are saying, you know, I can bet on baseball. You know, I never watched it, but I can bet on something. I can bet on scrimmage basketball. I would not recommend, though. You can bet, do a bet online promo code Blue Wire, But I think that's the norm, right? And I think what you're saying about media is important because to me, it, always fe- it doesn't always feel like, being right online is more important than, you know, kind of actually discussing what's going on. Like, doesn't it feel yeah, like people care that's more actually, about that? It's a little that's weird. That's actually a good way to put it because to me, I think the prevailing sentiment is I want sports back. I want them to do it safely. I don't know if that's possible. You know, like I, we all have various levels of doubt. Some people are a little more optimistic, some people are a little more pessimistic, but we all want the same thing. And there's just a lot of grandstanding. And the grandstanding is getting a little tiresome. I'm going to read one thing to you. Like, do you remember Sean Doolittle? Uh, yeah. the, the Nationals reliever saying sports are a reward for a functioning society. And my timeline is just hundreds of people just, oh my God, that's so profound and smart. And I'm like, no, dude sports are a source of income for like a million people in this country and as usual everyone thinks sports starts and ends with the owners and the players it does not it doesn't i'm not even talking about the coaching staff i'm talking about the training staff i'm talking about low level people who just work in the sales department i'm talking about like people who work in it every sports team has like a pro, has a big it department i'm talking about just people of normal jobs who instead of selling Salesforce software are selling giants or A's or 49ers or whoever it may be. That's the product they're selling. They're not selling, you know, a uh, Toyota Camry at a car dealership. They're selling Lexus, sports. you know, brand new like, Lexus, you know, if you will. Um, <laughs> uh, but you know what I'm saying? And it's right. just like, you know, for, for a certain amount of people to claim they have, We need to be more empathetic. They lack basic empathy for a lot of working-class people who just happen to take a job doing the same things that you, I, Ben, Neil, uh, the guy down the street, whatever, do. They just happen to do it for a sports team. Um, I think a lot of it – great point there. I think a lot of it's also – you kind of got to live in real life. You kind of kind of live in the real world to kind of realize that there's more to, to kind of what's going on in sports other than the owners and the players and the coaches, what you're saying, right? Like if you work in an organization or even if you work like at a restaurant or something like that, you kind of just know like yeah, you can close all the restaurants in San Francisco and say, you know, it's, it's a good thing because we don't want people to get COVID. But, you know, you can also feel bad because. Because there's probably someone that's making sixteen dollars an hour no sixteen fifty that's minimum wage in San Francisco that is now on unemployment and it it sucks and it's like you, you gotta you gotta be empathetic towards that too and I I do feel like a lot of the times that point is missing especially 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 um I mean with sports writers because Think about the sports writer job, Sam. It's a pretty, pretty privileged job. Like you're, you're a yeah. freaking sports writer. Is what is that? <laughs> what is that? That's not a real job. So I think that's a lot of times people just don't live in the real world because sports writing is not a real thing. It's and there's also the the other thing, which I don't want to make this a coronavirus podcast, but inevitably everything about sports will involve COVID until you know we have vaccine and the pandemic's over, right? Only um, 2023. Oh, God. On some level. Anyway, um, what I was going to say is, you know, most people are trying to find a way to do their job and live their life, and they're not necessarily looking for an excuse to stay home. And uh, I think the last thing I want to say is an NFL guy, uh, Kyle Brandt, which is what spun this to me, tweeted today there's a segment of NFL media who's almost rooting for covid to affect the season they want it they see marlin's news and say "Yup, lot lots of luck football yeah these are people who make their livings off football i don't get it this guy got dunked on all over twitter with just an absurd amount of media people saying if you think we're rooting for it like you're wrong blah blah, blah. but I will say I got what he was saying because I log online like you do every day. I spend way too much time online like you do every day. And that's the tone. That's the tone I read. That's the tone you read. So whether it's the accurate feeling or not, that's the way it's coming across. And if you claim it's not, I I mean, I'm just calling a little boy who cried wolf with you. If you say that, you know, like, I don't really believe you. You're a, te- you're a writer, you know how to use words, and you want to pretend that, you know, you're not wording things a certain way. We know there's an emphasis on covering it and, and doing things a certain way. Um, to me, it's not that I don't take it seriously, but I got where he was coming with it, which is like, you guys are just shopping in misery to a degree. It like almost seems like you're rooting for it. I don't actually think anyone's rooting for it, but I can understand why someone would think that people, people do love I think, yeah, those are great points. It's, you know, I though, ultimately though, will I, you know, I don't know if it's, it's such a bad thing. I, I don't know how much it paints. Now. I think the bad thing here is, is if it impacts the way that, you know the fans that read the tweets or read read the right writings like how they feel about it i think that's that's probably bad if that were the case i, I don't know if it is because i do feel end of the day most people in the world uh do are just excited that sports is back and there's no like
0: there's not like, any moral... semblance
1: of normalcy yeah yeah but there's no like you know like like our, our for, like nobody that's a normal fan is like Oh my God, I, I'm gonna feel really bad if if I myself am there's no moral like guilt for feeling that you know I want baseball back, um and I don't think that although there my, should mentions, be. my mentions my right. mentions disagree with you they constantly tell right. me I'm a bad person for for rooting for it so it, exactly yeah. and, and and so I you know I I don't I that like most people if you were to ask do you want people to get sick do you want people to like it, it, are no. you are you really only a sociopath would be like i really hope a million people die from it you know yeah. like, like like are you like no but like are you like oh are you mad that avery bradley is not playing this season because he doesn't want to have his kid get sick like nobody's actually wanting that to happen or like saying oh you should be playing right like nobody's actually feeling that way most people are just like well Avery Blatt is not playing we get it it sucks but you know i still want to watch the lakers play that's the overall sentiment so I, I don't so it's kind of like a straw man thing, right? I think at this yeah. point it's kind of like a straw like not for us, but like for, for me, that's all pissy about this stuff. It's not a straw man thing. Nobody actually is saying I want, you know, I want these guys uh to get sick, or like you will f- you feel like if you want to watch games, you want people to get sick. I don't think anyone's feeling that way. I that's why I, I agree with you. It's a lot of I don't and know it, might, like just be, right, it might just people be just like right. It might just be an internet thing, and I would assume most of our listeners our internet time. people. So, um, <laughs> I just wanted to start with that. Uh, you're, I think you and I are aligned on this. We hope everything works out. We have, let's just say, uh, I'm skeptical of baseball's protocols right now. Um, I feel a little better about the NBA's plan and I still don't feel like a hundred percent proof there, but like, you got to take a risk. Um, so. yeah, the MLB doesn't even have, a bubble. the NBA, I'm sure, you know, there's, there's stuff going on there. I've never, never heard of so many family emergencies. I, you know, please, I hope their families are okay. But sometimes, I mean that, that they're not really family emergency, only you know, like 20 people, uh, family emergencies. I don't know about that. Uh, I, have but a, NBA- I, have, I have a good one for the premium pod for Sam sources. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. I'll t- we'll say- remind me for, for premium midweek, but, uh, yeah. but it's not going on here. I <laughs> um that is <laughs> Too the many type, listeners. that is the type of tease that will just get people infuriated at me. I'll, let's move this let's move this to the warriors. <laughs> we we did what we wanted to do here. I got one thing out there. I'm sure it will get a lot of backlash from people. Who cares? Um friend of the show, Bomani Jones got a little heat from Warriors Twitter last week. I will say this, Warrior fans I mean, well done. The reason people I mean, well done. <laughs> the reason people bait the Warriors online is because they know they will get that reaction. They are the new Kobe fan base. They are the new like it reminds me so much of the mid 00s when like people are like Kobe's overrated. Oh, and like the yeah. cult of Kobe was like, Woo! how how dare you? How dare you say that? You don't, know, you know, like they're ready to they're ready to fight. They're ready to drive to Temecula (laughs) and fight you, you know, like that's where we're getting at with warrior fans. And so I actually, um, let's have Ben insert the audio, a little clip of what Bomani said. I actually think you guys should listen to the whole conversation. Um, you know, after you've, I've caught up on all the White Years episodes, you listened. Oh. listen. He can get his own shot if he shoots it for 40, like, coming across the line. And he's got, like, sick handle and all of that stuff. There's something different. It's hard to explain what it is with Steph, but Steph is somehow, like, the greatest system player of all time. And I'm not saying that to shade mm-hmm. him, mm-hmm. but you are not going 1-4 flat. No, that's the and thing. being like, get us a bucket. That's the thing. The thing is, even Little and Kyrie are different in a way that you can tell them, go get me a bucket. In a way that doesn't involve, and this is not a shade to Steph Curry when I say this, trickeration. Yes. Like everything with Steph sets up off of the shot, off of the threat of him beating you off from 35 feet. So when he crosses you over, he's getting you off your feet because you are worried about him stepping back and hitting the three compared to Kyrie or Dame. When taken out of context in like a 40 second clip, I can understand... Why Warrior fans were upset? I actually didn't think what Bomani said was that bad, but I'm gonna start with you. (laughs) Oh, you're gonna let me start? Um, All right. So, okay. I I love Bomani. Actually, I think he has the best takes outside of Steph. Here's the thing about Bomani Jones. Um, He's had these takes about Steph Curry for a long time. I think for people that don't listen to Bomani and, and what he says about basketball and the Warriors and Steph Curry, this is not the first time he said that. Um, I remember listening to Bomani a few years ago talking about how you can stop Steph Curry. And one of his things was, Hey, you know, make sure, you know, you can do one thing is if he's going to come back and he's going to shimmy and he's going to do all this stuff, you know, kind of stick an elbow in this gut kind of thing, you know, get play a little physical with Steph Curry. And when I listened to that, by the way, Bomani, probably one of the smartest guys in, in sports media, when he said that I, to me, I said, Oh, it rubbed you the wrong way. I know he, <laughs> he, it was just, he didn't really understand he didn't he didn't really understand Steph Curry. Like that to me. So so when Andy I heard this, Andy, Andy, just grabbed a ball at Jamie and got in his car and he's like, I'm fighting. I'm fu- <laughs> I'm driving right off the bridge. I it and so when I heard this, I wasn't surprised. Um Bomani's not, you know, he's gonna say that it's no slander, right? He's gonna do a little hedging. But to me, I think it's it's a it's very um it's a very easy case to explain, like, hey, the guy just doesn't understand Steph's impact. And I'm not saying like so the interesting, to the interesting basketball. The interesting I, I, thing is in a different part on the podcast, he kind of mentioned how uh, he saw Steph at Davidson because I think he mentioned he was living in North Carolina at the time, which is more of just a confluence of events, right? Um, but he constantly mentioned like I'd never seen anything like him. But you know what that is to me when someone's saying that repeatedly while having that kind of like semi-incendiary take, I think that's just him trying to hedge and cover his ass. I just I to me when he said the ISO stuff, isn't that kind of just the most how often have we seen that, Sam? That's not something new. It's just something that a guy like Bomani said. It's not new. Like, so there's there's a couple there's a couple things I want to say about that. One I've always applauded the one thing I really respect about Bomani when he's talking about Steph and um, I would love him to come on the show and kind of speak his piece himself, but he's talked about Steph. I mean, he has a national show. We've heard him talk about Steph for like a half decade now. Yeah. So there's enough there. He's always acknowledged. He makes him rethink everything he thought was true. About basketball, you know, like you, you know, how like with certain things, like there's certain truths, like you learn in life, don't do certain things because it won't work. And like when we watch sports, we come up with these little truisms where like you can't win playing that way. A superstar can't look like that, cannot play like that. Right. And to me, at, Bomani was always self aware enough to acknowledge like Steph makes him rethink that stuff. Um, and this is the way I read it, but I've always taken it more as a compliment to Steph and ultimately why the Warriors were as popular and are as popular as they are, why they, why their, for, their rise was one of, I mean, really the only team in my lifetime who had that level of like a fever pitch around them was like the Jordan Bulls. Um, it's because people could not it truly blew people's minds like wait you can win like this you can do this right i didn't think this was true and bomani is honestly like uh to me he he is a manifestation of an old school way of thinking while being self-aware enough to understand he's pointing at, that he's, he's old school with it, you know? Yeah. But so if that's why I think it's interesting. Yeah. But if you're self-aware of it and you're wrong, then you just come off like an asshole and an idiot. That's the problem. <laughs> Relax. But, but, that, but that's the problem. If I'm, if Sam, if I'm self-aware that I'm an alcoholic and I keep drinking and texting you every Sunday and saying, I should stop drinking. Who's the asshole you- and the idiot here? But you do do that, yeah. exactly. That's exact point (laughs) I'm trying to make. (laughs) The problem when you're self-aware about these things and you keep making the same mistakes. And here's the thing: the the the, kind of the crux of all this is like Warriors fans were pissed off about this, and even I tweeted a lot about this over the weekend. I don't. Well, Warrior fans, Warrior fans get pissed about everything. (laughs) They're very. It's no longer like a theory that Steph's disrespected. They outright think he's Jesus on the cross it's pretty pretty amazing it's pretty amazing but the stuff when you kind of say like hey Steph you know he gets his own shot from 40 but you know he kind of can't play in a one-four set and you say so I I... when you're but when you're obvious hold up but when you're obviously wrong like that I don't really care how self-aware you are you're just wrong like you're just wrong and that's where to me you got about that real quick that's (laughs) to me that's the most interesting part because um we also, saw who cares, Ste- right? We'll we saw ahead. Steph. Uh, well, one, you're right. I don't, if you win by setting screens, <laughs> set screens. But, uh, okay. We right, saw sorry. the Warriors rise in 14, 15, 16. Steph had probably the best individual season I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, It involved a ridiculous amount of late game isolations, right? Yeah. And then he gets hurt. And then the last thing people remember is he can't shake Kevin Love in the finals. And then they get KD. And by default, like literally if you look at the rotation, the last four years, it's Steph clay, KD, and no one else who could shoot the ball, you know, like literally no one else. Right. And so beyond the fact that they're moving the ball more, just so everyone gets touches. We don't get to see Steph Iso as much. And so that's what I think a lot of the slander that comes towards Steph. You know, people will say he was the beneficiary of KD coming. His legacy was impact was improved by winning three rings, and they wouldn't have won three rings without KD. Mm-hmm. I still think it's the opposite because he they lost the 16 finals. And he was subpar, and we could talk about the injuries all we want. But anyone who doubted him used that as an as proof to be like, "Aha, I told you." Right. And then KD comes, and then it's just kind of, I mean, anyone who understands basketball knows it's such a straw man to, and it's just inaccurate to not say Steph is, you know, one of the three best players this era, an all time great, changed the game, amazing, and every possible way but if you are skeptical of him the way 16 ended with katie coming gives you all you need to say it and here, here's here's the thing too i think with steph people are just people want him look you're always going to criticize someone that you want to criticize we can do the lebron stuff all day long we could do the J.J. Barea stuff all day long. At the end of the day, it's just if you want to be the guy that criticizes stuff, you could do it. If you want to be the guy that criticizes Kobe, same thing. For me, it to me, it feels like, so do you want stuff just to shoot 30 times a game? We talk about this all the time because he can. He could shoot 30 times a game and average 35 points a game. He could do the James Harden. But then what's the point of that? The guy, all the guy does is win. So do you want him to just shoot more from 25 feet? Uh, and if they lose, does that make it better because the de- degree of difficulty technically goes up? It's like the Kobe stuff, right? Kobe loves shooting the toughest shot no matter what. But at the end of the day, the people that love Kobe say, well, he's got the balls to shoot the toughest shot because he's an alpha. And then the critics say, well, he should pass the ball because he's he's triple teamed and those are inefficient shots. To me, the you know, like, truth is probably somewhere in the middle. <laughs> like he needs to take some of those shots. <laughs> right. He, he loved to go to that well a little too much. Always. Always. But, but like on the flip side, we've watched players who we know pass up shots they should take to protect their numbers. And then you walk away and you're like, what do you mean James Harden was the reason that they lost? He scored 35 points. I'm like, watch the game, buddy. And no one's, me- no one's denying his talent, but watch the game. And then to me, the other piece as we, as we go through the kind of the audio here is also um, if you are going to criticize someone like Steph Curry, please don't bring Kyrie Irving into the conversation. Please don't bring Damian Lill- Like, Steph wipes the floors with these guys, and I think be- bringing these guys into the conversation is disingenuous um, to the point where it's like, look, if you don't like the guy, for whatever reason you don't like the guy, that's fine. And honestly, I feel like a lot of media, media don't like the guy because they're LeBron fans. LeBron is a Bron It's He is, and that's most media. And if Steph Curry's the guy that won three titles during LeBron's kind of rain quote unquote not going to be happy about that and so i think that's part of it too um and whether you can kind of admit that bias or not it's up to him but um you know most media Bron fans and this is what happens <laughs> yeah i mean there isn't happy about there isn't there is an irony in like we're, we keep mentioning kobe but kobe's honestly his career trajectory is the most similar to staff's winning the titles Anyone who watched the first three Pete Lakers knows Kobe mattered a lot. You know, maybe Shaq was better. Oh, Shaq was definitely better for large chunks of it. But either way, I see your point. And then Shaq leaves. And all it is is like all the people who thought he was overrated, just it's open season on slandering him for being selfish, being a bad teammate. These aren't like, these are different, different criticisms for Steph, but like ultimately it's like all the things that people wanted to say about him, they got to say. And then Kobe got his second run, you know, with Powell and Odom and a team where he was very more unquestionably the alpha, right? And, and he, uh, you know, you, he wants two, two more. If you're slandering Kobe after he won five, three with Shaq, two without Shaq, doing it his own way, in different in a different team, like then you're just a hater at that point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So and the cra- the crazy part too is is uh Steph won one, you know, not quote unquote by himself, but he won one as the un- unquestioned alpha. Uh then he wins two with Kevin Durant. And so that's a little bit different from Kobe. Also, what do you think, Sam? Like he needs to win one or two more to get on that level. One more, i think if more. he wins one more, he's proven everything he needs to prove. I think if he if he wins a couple more, then he's in that top five volume. Yeah, that's category. crazy, right? That's um, crazy. but like we'll see how it goes the rest of the way from here. I think he's gonna be appreciated a lot more when we realize it's over. I just I just think so. Like a lot of people who criticized him for the vast duration of his prime. Will then start like waxing poetic about how he changed the game. Ah, it's always how it goes. So he's got a little Kobe Kobe vibe to his career. He's got a little Tim Duncan vibe to his career. Um, that's this the, is, is that by a the way why the M- wine you're drinking? Jesus. No, no, it's not. Oh, I was gonna say that is impressive. Come on, man. It's just a beer. <laughs> um, what I was gonna say is this is by the way, why MJ is untouchable. Because yeah. MJ's career was just an upward trajectory, reached the peak. And then just sat at the peak for a decade and then just like later guys, you know, yeah. retired. Like there was no, like everyone else's career is a little more like LeBron or normal Kobe yeah. where it's like, you know, there's the upward climb. There's some ups and downs. You hit the top and then at some point you start going down, you know, MJ never had to go down, which is Cool. It make it like adds some mystique, but like it's <laughs> good luck matching that. Yeah, right. Like even even the Warriors. I mean, they winning. They beat the MJ record at seventy three, and then they just they can't win the title. Like it's it's an impossible, almost an impossible task, um, to pull off what MJ and the Chicago Bulls did. Um, we can continue the bon- Bonnie convo. I got to do a few reads, Sam, uh, before we move on. All right. So we got a new sponsor, Deal Dash. So have you heard of D-O-Dash.com? dot com? It is. The best and most honest bidding site where you can win things you never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over a 1,000 auctions every day. Electronics, appliances, beauty products, home, decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction. But every item starts at $0 and only goes up 1 cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 5 seconds. So it's like an auction NFL draft, right? You can time it to 10 seconds and somebody you know, somehow gets Patrick homes for $15. If, if you know, the Wi-Fi goes nutty. So that means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer to the item uh, or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, deal dash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign up, on top of their other discounts. So go to deal use offer code lightyears or deal dash. FM slash light That's deal dash. Sorry. That's deal dash. Dot FM slash light All right. We got one more. We got the uh, the classic uh, bet online. Um, Bet online only only doing better. Uh, MLB, fingers crossed. Stays NBA. You can actually bet on the scrimmages. I know Sam put you know twenty thousand dollars on the Lakers the other day. Pretty insane. Um, Dion Waiters, want him some money. So sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite team. Twenty thousand Bitcoin. (laughs) A lot. Bitcoin's at eleven right now. Uh, Major League Baseball is finally kicking off. Uh, Joe Lacob's happy. It's finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, is Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to On. all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds. Eddie George May- is a hell of a running back. Yeah. Wow, Eddie George. Harold Reynolds, who's a uh, baseball, I believe, uh, also an announcer. And then seven-time NBA champ, yeah. Robert Ory. Um, and see, so see what they had to say. Uh, it'll be like playing without fans in a series that they're calling Fan-Demic. It's pretty cool. So visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Uh, news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. Promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. I'm actually so excited to start betting on sports on a regular basis now. Um, you know what my favorite thing about Bet online is, is you can actually just place like $5 bets. You know, like uh, I always like was, I didn't want to get into sports betting. Cause like, I was like afraid I'd become like a gambling degenerate, it's but it's like, but it's like, you can legitimately just like, we all have five to 50 bucks a week. We can blow. And like, quite frankly, we probably do just going out to a bar or doing something dumb like that. So right. True. And we're not doing any of that now. So, um, I I just think it's fun to play some parlays, do a little bit. Um, you know, I, it's, it's just, it's just a good time. It's a little more fun when you're watching Orlando versus Lakers, uh, beyond the fact I'm scouting future warriors, Jonathan, Isaac, and Aaron. I was just going to say, there's only one reason you're watching the, I mean, you do watch a lot of bat. We watch a lot of basketball, but, uh. But Aaron Gordon, I think, is probably more like watching Aaron Gordon. Although, you know, I don't really enjoy watching Aaron Gordon. We're not actually we're not doing Aaron Gordon today. Let's let's we're doing, I will say this. The reason I love Orlando is because I swear to God, they have so many players who are like, that guy would look really good with Stephen Clay. But when you watch him in a team which has like no scoring, you're like, Yeah, I can't it. It's it's, it's it's like what it really is is it's if it's like watching those games where the Warriors had Stephen Clay sitting and it was like Livingston, McCaw, Iguodala, um Draymond and like Zaza and you're like all right they're all good but like is can any of them put the ball in the hoop? You know. That's Orlando. Orlando right, is right. just a bunch of guys who are probably are probably best suited to be like a Draymond or Iguodala type. <laughs> uh by the way, actually, I'm so glad you you uh you ended that uh thought with that because uh Martel Foltz is probably uh he's getting paid too much and he will get paid too much for the next few years but that's kind of the perfect reclamation project uh for the warriors uh, at some point but he's making i'm seeing 12 million and 16 million in the next two do years do you so. really want steve kerr to coach a guy who's afraid to shoot the ball look or do you want Steve <laughs> kerr to coach a guy who doesn't want to shoot the ball it's hard to say there uh, there was a video that I like Marco, but it just it sound it sounds like the guy just couldn't couldn't <clears> mentally <throat> make it, but uh but you know, um he's fun. I mean he's like Sean. Le- well, you know what? Let's not do this. We already talked about Michael Carter Williams. Let's not do this anymore uh with Marco Fultz. All right, what's our next topic, Sam? Um let's hit on um Windhorse's article today because it's prescient warriors news. We should have got to it earlier, but um Prescient. Um, great word. <laughs> So, Joe Lacob informed fellow owners a deal he's considering with Goldman Sachs to raise $250 million to manage coming expenses. Um, so, I mean, tying back to the first conversation we had about sports or a business first, um, it's worth noting the Warriors probably have 250 full-time employees it's somewhere between 200 and 300. I'm going to split the difference and say 250. They have not laid, they have not furloughed anyone. Um and just from a business model, obviously they make a lot of money, but they make a lot of money if games are played, right? Like and we we've really hit the one thing that can ruin their business model, which is sports being canceled, which is something probably no one considered a year ago as real, right? Uh, but but here we are. And so they're trying to figure out ways to keep money floating while we have no games going. And I'm sympathetic to it because this is something every business has to consider. Now, the Warriors are luckier than your standard mom and pop shop because Joe Lacob does have access to investment banks like Goldman Sachs in a way that your favorite, you know, Takaria or. That little like clothing shop in the corner you like to buy shirts from and support doesn't, right? So I'm not saying like we should feel sorry for the Warriors per se, but like they still have to make these decisions. They still have to do this stuff. And Windhorse is highlighting the fact that th- the pandemic is causing a bigger divide among NBA teams because the Warriors can find investment bankers to float a money at attractive rates because those people know. As soon as the doors open at Chase, whether it's next year or the year after, they print money, you know? Sam, by the way, let's pause here before you move any further. The Light Years podcast, because we've been talking about nothing but hypotheticals about the Warriors' future the last six months, four months of the pandemic, we already talked about this. That's the crazy part. We already brought up that the Warriors do have an advantage here during quote-unquote adva- advantage here while you know maybe the salary cap goes down or these broke teams are even broker. Look, the Warriors aren't making money. Five million dollars, apparently, they're making gate money uh, during every game. They're not going to get that. They're not going to get... Look, Fleetwood Mac, sorry. Not going to get to play Chase Center. old white dude, can't see him. Um, but... At least we got to see Andrea Bocelli. <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck that is. But... <laughs> <laughs> But they're still the richest team in the NBA outside of like, you know, the Lakers or Knicks or whoever. And that's where it gets fun from a basketball perspective, right, Sam? Because we talked about they have the ability to use that trade exception now because teams are going to offload money. And I still think that the Warriors are going to use it. In the article, they also state that teams are going to be unloading first round picks in a way that they haven't seen in a long, long time. Yeah. It's fascinating mean- to me. It's funny because whenever I think of offloading picks, I think of the Nash Suns. They used to sell picks. And it's one of those things where in the OOs, the, this stuff wasn't covered as closely as it is now. Like in 2020, if you have a title contender and you're selling picks to save money, you are going to be flamed as not serious. Right. Uh, In the OOs, it didn't get as much coverage. And um, and they did it because they just wanted to turn a profit. Now right. I think we're going to see a lot of smaller market teams looking at ways to cut money. And uh, Windhorse's article, I mean, I kind of went roundabout, uh, but I encourage you all to read it. He kind of said the pandemic is causing a bigger financial divide because the Warriors can get funding to stay afloat for a couple of years, assuming the gates never open and you know they're not turning – they don't have a revenue – new stream which is ticket sales right the lakers can do the same the knicks can do the same the celtics can do the same like the top like five or six revenue generators can do that i don't know that a team like utah or sacramento or these teams with smaller tv deals and less access to money less branding can and if you're a warrior fan it's exciting because They're capped out. Steph, Clay, and Draymond are all get paid a lot of money. And they may have an opportunity to add talent that they may not have otherwise. All right. So here's we've spent the last couple weeks talking about the Warriors front office. And now I think it's kind of like a combination. You're seeing it. They got to make the right choices. You can't just throw a shit ton of money out there. The Knicks do that every year, and they screw it up every year. Right. So the Knicks they're are the prime <laughs> example of just because you have money does not mean you win. No. <laughs> yep. A primo example. However, the Warriors st- they they got an advantage because, like you said, they got Steph, they got Clay, they got Draymond, they got they some have a foundation. The same, they have a foundation. They have a foundation. Like I I said, this um, a friend of the show Grant Lifman asked us to write on a war on a round table. and I I kind of said the question was Are the Warriors a contender next year? And I said. I need to see how they round out the roster, but I do know they have the foundation of a contender. Yes. You know. Like you know they and and that's more than most teams do. They do still and you say exciting earlier and I I agree because we're talking front office only and the moves that they got to make. Oh, can they get Marcus Smart? Can can they get Josh Richardson? But also it is kind of up to Joe up to say, "Look, are you willing to spend that money?" And it's not even talking about submitting the money on the tax uh, for the trade exception anymore, or kind of the mid-level exception, tax payment level. Um, it's being creative with things like buying a first-round pick. Can you imagine? They already buy a second-round pick every year, right? Like, that's their thing. That's their ML. Joey Lacob says, screw it. I'm buying Patrick McCall. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You know, his, his son says, his two sons says, you got to buy Alex Smiley-Geach. So, you know, he does it. It's a waste of money. Uh, but this season, you know, this October, when the draft comes around, they have a chance to you know what if they trade back they pick up a player and then they buy a couple first round picks and now they have kind of a war chest hint hint wink wink to go at Giannis. like that's kind of like that's a creative part of what the warriors can do here if they're willing to spend the money i have more confidence in joe lake sam spending the money than i do in the front office figuring out who to actually get that'll work out uh but again that is uh that's that's a huge competitive advantage that I didn't mean. We didn't even talk, think about them buying round picks earlier this year, but my God, it's a steep price, but it is a competitive advantage <laughs> that, that they have. And only a couple teams can legitimately do. So I think it's, I don't want to say advantageous to them. Like they're, you know, making money off the pandemic, but uh, they do have an opportunity here that other teams don't. And that's exciting. If you're a fan and you're invested in them primarily, uh, putting together a winner, uh, because we both agree. Steph clay, Draymond, maybe Wiggins. That's a start of something. But if you have nothing around it, that's a second round team, right? If you're, if you're throwing that out there with like McKinney, Zaza, those type of players, you're like, all right. Um, there's some limitations to what they can do. I mean, Steph can always get hot and just win a series by himself, and he might just do it anyway. But you'd like to have a little more there, just have a little diversity in your offense. I agree. I think I think it's a second round uh, finals depending, depending on who they play. I looked up who the what pick the Rockets have, and I forgot that they don't they traded all the way. So um, I'm sure, maybe maybe Fertitta will sell a, sell a pick to the Warriors. But I just I forgot though. all the Rockets do is trade their, their first rounders. I forgot about that um so maybe the thunder you know they've got 50 first round picks maybe the warriors can take one of those uh, uh one of those little mid-round mid first round picks i'm just looking looking through looking through the draft god it's gonna be so many of these smart market teams that i'm sure if joe lacob says you know bitcoin's at 20 20 000 now and i give you a few hand it over so um so it should be interesting it got me excited though you know you kind of it's, it's part of like what we started the podcast with you do feel bad for some of these teams, but again, a lot of it's like business. Um, these small market teams were already at a disadvantage, and that's why I always said, "Why the hell do we even have these teams anyway?" Just send Memphis to Seattle. I don't know. Send some of these. Te- send them to Vancouver. Why? Why, why do I we like some- Memphis? I actually like. God. I like the small markets who are like passionate about their team. It's good for the league to have a little diversity. Seattle, Seattle has. Seattle has. Passion Seattle deserves. Seattle deserves a team. I just wouldn't send Memphis to them there's huh. there's far worse fan bases is all i'm saying who um who uh, like apathetic <laughs> ones i don't know uh, orlando orlando probably like orlando's probably a good one send that one to vancouver man Wait, i want a team in vancouver anyway uh, i'm gonna do another read because i think we're gonna do a quick mailbag session for about 20 minutes um so we got one more all right everybody's favorite lawn mower three point Oh, support for Lightyear's podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your man- family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Uh, my friend actually used the Lightyear promo code last week. Um, and that's what we talk about. Sam, we just, we just do curls, we do chest, and then we talk about Manscaped. Going well for him. Uh, that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released a new and improved lawnmower 3.0. Their third gen trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped Advanced Skin Safe Technology. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium, subscribe to Light Yours Premium, actually. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. There is water-resistant technology that allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is there's also an LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for closer and more precise trimming. My God, they thought of it all. Upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor too with quiet stroke technology. Amazing name. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for, you tr- for yourself. Trim that junk, 20% off free shipping with the code LightYears at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Again, 20% off free shipping, LightYears at manscaped.com. Nice. All right, question time. Alright, let's uh, hit a few. Alright, from Danny, Danny Burt 33. If Wiggins proves to fill the role the Warriors need as a quality slasher, which would open up the floor, could this end up being Clay's biggest year scoring wise? Your thoughts? Uh, yeah. Um crazy thing, you just look at clay's basketball reference you're really my god the guy just averages you know for some reason you kind of think okay that guy's like you know second greatest shooter of all time um you know just amazing score gets hot i feel like if you're you're a fan of another team you kind of think like oh clay probably averages like 25 points but he actually averages in the low 20s and uh his highest scoring average was obviously when he played with kevin durant like right at 22 15 16 16 17 um so you know i i think i probably i would say like yes but then also the guy's coming off an ACL. So how can you actually say he's gonna score the most he's ever scored? Right. Um, so I, I'd probably go no. Um, just it's a lot, it's a lot I think to that, ask of a guy. I think huh? the beauty of clay is clay is exactly the same clay, whether he's <laughs> playing next to Kevin Durant or Andrew Wiggins. And he's always gonna shoot the ball. He can get hotter than anyone ever. And because he doesn't get to the line or do other things, he can also be a little inconsistent. Like He's a guy who scores 40 in one game and 15 in the next. But then on the flip side, defenses guard him. There's only one player who gets guarded more tightly than Clay in terms of his shooting ability, and that's his teammate, Steph Curry. So I don't know that we'll see Clay's numbers be different. Mm-hmm. I just think he's going to be the same Clay. And I think that's actually the beauty of Clay. He's going to do exactly the same thing there was another clay question which i liked and i i want to let me get to it so we can piggyback it at the same time um uh, oh here from alibaba 913 oh with clay coming off acl will he have less less defensive role so he can focus on the offense um, so I could take that really quickly. I don't think he'll be guarding ones and twos as much this year, actually. Um, I think they'll they'll try their best to kind of push him down a little bit. Um, yeah. He was already playing one through four at times. Um, I think they're going to keep him primarily, you know, he can still guard ones and twos, but they're going to keep him primarily to threes and fours, I think, um, as long as the threes and fours are can be guarded. I think it's like kind of like a Robert Covington. You can think of it that way. Right. Um, so I think that's that's what they'll go for cuz you just you don't want Clay chasing Dame on a new ACL. It's a lot. Yeah, I think actually this is part of the reason someone like Wiggins, younger, more athletic, you makes go. sense next to him because I think Clay is going to take the stronger wing, the one who needs more physicality and Wiggins is going to take the quicker perimeter guy. So for example, um it's when they that way too. when they play, uh, let's try to think of a good example here. Um, I mean, you can probably go with any teams. You know? <laughs> like, like, yeah, you, I, you, don't, right? I don't know even like, tr- think of Boston. Think of Boston. How about go Boston? Like Kemba versus guarding like Jalen Brown. Even, yeah, like I don't think you're going to see clay on Kemba. You'll see clay body up Tatum, but then you might see Wiggins. chase kemba around because he's quick enough to and the length will bother him yep that's a good example in the past clay would be the guy on kemba and iguodala Iguodala. would be the guy on tatum right so i think that's where it changes i think team to team it changes like with the rockets for example um i don't think it matters because james harden's still more of a methodical you know you're not chasing Harden off of screens. So, so Clay can do that fine, right? But maybe Westbrook, who in the past Clay would guard, maybe that's the guy you have Wiggins stick to. Yep. Um, and I, I think, I think it's better that way. I think that was actually the logical pr- uh, progression for Clay's career, right? Um, as he gets older. Um, and sa- same kind of goes with Draymond, where it's like at some point, Draymond's not going to be able to switch on ones and twos as much as he always has. Um, but that's a story for another day. You've been slowing down on your dream on slander, Sam. I'm uh, disappointed, but, you know, that's better. All right, let's go to our guy, option zero. <laughs> he threw a couple questions here. Which X player is most likely uh, to be an unabashed GS dub shill in the national media? Stack Jack is now ruled out, and Iggy is still playing. So my first – I was going to say Iggy was going to be my number one, but he's gone. Um can't think of anyone. I mean, anyone who is on the 14 to 16 Warriors, like Livingston is is a perfect example of someone I could see doing it. So I think yes. Um I also think that a lot of the Warriors um not really outspoken. You know, when you think of Livingston, you think of these guys. It's like I don't see Livingston going on the jump and then making a whole Steph thing, right? Right, They they don't talk much. Maybe the best guy of those teams would probably be David West, like the most outspoken. You know, a smart guy, extremely smart guy, a lot of respect around the league. Not a troller. He wouldn't, he would never do the perk act. Yep. And so I think it'd be like a James himself too seriously to be that dude. Yeah. I mean, it's just the guy's a clown. I mean, just worse and worse every day. But. Yeah, I think Wes would be a good one. Like he, he'd be, it'd be a, it'd be genuine analysis. Uh, I wrote down Baron Davis, Sam, just he's outspoken. Um, I didn't think he was, by the way, Baron Davis now part of the blue wire podcast family. Shouts to Kevin Jones. Um, he, He's been tweeting a lot on Twitter, Um, tweeting a lot of like, uh, not just like promo sponsored bull crap, but like real tweets. I saw him kind of roast NBA central. One of those like, you know, accounts um, and saying, you know, doing the, the pick one, cut one, stardom bull crap. And uh, BD was like, why are we doing this? Um, I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, To me, it felt like a little bit of a, I think there's a little bit of uh, what Kobe was trying to do was bring analysis. I think a lot of people have talked about this now where they bring NBA analysis back to more true kind of love of the game, about the, love of the game, about the game kind of analysis. And I think there's, there's for athletes, for NBA athletes, because people do respect those a lot more than, you know, your Zach Lowe's, you know, Zach Lowe's smart, but he's, you know, people are going to listen to Baron Davis more if he's on TV than Zach Lowe because it's Baron Davis, and I think there's there's um, a space for that for ex players where they actually talk about the game instead of instead of someone like our friend Kendrick Perkins going on and just spouting nonsense. Shout out K Perk. Um, <laughs> I was going to say your Baron point actually brings me to another point, which is I really enjoy watching guards talk about the Warriors uh, because guards. I think are more fair to Steph because they understand how hard what he does is like someone like uh, Kenny Smith, for example, um, he just, he's always down to talk about how great Steph, Dame, Kyrie, Harden, these guys are because he played a lead guard position in the, in the NBA. And he understands how hard it is to do that. I think what's annoying is when you get like bigs like Barkley or, you know, at least Barkley's a first ballot hall of famer, like perk where they're talking about guards. And it's like, dude, you, you're right. Right. You don't know what you're talking about in right. terms of that capacity or like you're just, you're being very dismissive of their impact. Uh, if it fits what you want to say. And so that's kind of like the one thing, like I'm excited for Baron to bring, to talk um, more candidly on blue wire about some of the stuff, because I know he he doesn't just respect Steph. He respects Russ. He respects Dame. And if you were to ask him, he probably wouldn't honestly tell you who he thinks the best of those players, uh, but he would give you a more honest analysis of the different ways that they way do to things it. to impact the game. And I think that's just more interesting. Like, I'm kind of over these player ranking things. Like, obviously, Steph's better than all of them. We know that. But, but like, I I think Dame's amazing, for example. I think Russ is also amazing in his own way. And I think it's more interesting to talk about them as players and what they do and what they maybe don't do than it is to just constantly be like, let's make a list. And if someone is three and someone else is two, you know, the guy who's two two is better. Yeah, let's debate. Yeah, that's such a great point. There's a space for that. There's a huge space for that, and I think the NFL does it well. Um, The MLB just sucks overall at covering any parts of the game, but I think the NFL does it well. Where you know, there's a space for like what you just said. We can talk about John Morant as a basketball player rather than is John Morant going to be the next Russell Westbrook? When is he leaving? Why why can't he just be John? Why can't he just be John Morant? Because like I actually think Jaw's super interesting because he's got like aspects of Steph russ and dame to him in various different ways right and i think it's kind of cool how like instead of trying to be someone else he's just himself like he's he definitely has that like he has a cockiness to him that i really like like he's not afraid of anyone Yep. right yep Yep. Um, um that's uh that's that's a great point is there any i god i love that i love it just it gets me excited like i bring this point up all the time it's just watching like brian baldinger sam right do breakdowns and he's just genuinely excited about that and it's not like it's not like a whole it's not We'll see it on espn or whatever but it's just like it's exciting to see something like that where he's talking about dj jones like who the hell is dj jones but it makes you excited for the game and you know what doesn't make me excited for the game steph curry ranked you know number four on the point guard list and then we gotta do the whole fucking charade of why steph this why steph that so enough Enough. Um, I think we should take one more. That B-Ball Cats question is pretty good. I think we should leave. I think we should end with that one. What do you think? Okay. Um, all Steph right, so B- hasn't... I'll read it. Um, okay. Steph hasn't had any consistent play since June 2019. That's worrisome. <laughs> Assuming next season starts in December, that's 18 months without any competitive play. Do you think that will actually benefit him physical and mental rest or hurt him Loss of momentum rusty? Hmm. You want it to go first, or do you want me to defend Steph? I'll let you go first. <laughs> of course, of course, I think it benefits him. Because my two fair players in basketball history are Steph Curry and Steve Nash, I looked up Steve Nash. Uh, Steve Nash at his age 33 season, which is when uh, Steph is going to be back, uh, hopefully. Played 34 minutes per game, which is about what Steph has played the uh, last few years. Played all 81 games. Oh, sorry, 81, not 82. Um and then after three seasons after Sam, he played 74, 81, and 75. So, Steve Nash a good example, but how about, how about Jordan? Ooh. How about LeBron? How about LeBron? Oh, no. Jordan took 18 months off. Um, Sam's doing it better than me. Oh, here we go. LeBron essentially missed half of last year. Unless you think Steph is washed, which I don't, like he forgot how to dribble, he's lost athleticism to a point where he can't get System. it back. System. Um, I think it benefits him. I with Steph, the biggest worry is always the same worry, which is how long does his body hold up? But I do think the layoff is good for him. And I think it has an opportunity to re energize him to put another three year run together. Um and if it happens, that'd be great. If it doesn't, oh well. But I don't see any downside to this because he's he hasn't been out with a serious injury. Like Correct. Clay's been out with an ACL, and there's questions about what he looks like when he comes back. I'm not necessarily super concerned, but I mean, it's a real thing. Steph broke his hand, and this is more of a layoff type of thing. So it's more if you believe in his work ethic, he'll be back. I agree. Um, I think there's just kind of looking at the trends of players before him. And obviously, you know, MJ's up there. Although with LeBron, to me, it's kind of not worth a comparison just because LeBron's a freak body-wise. And yes. you kind of look at it. It's, it's, it's a bad – I was just trying six, to think of players who took time off at that age. 6'10". Yeah, right. Uh, but And so I think with Steph, it's – it's. I think he has two, two to three elite seasons left before the drop happens. I still think he's a very, very above average player even once the drop happens. Um, but I think he has two to three seasons left. And you're talking about three-year run. And that's really what the Warriors have here, right? It's not just about Steph. They have about three seasons here, I think, to win a title or two. Um, and I think it just it lines up perfectly. Look, Steph's not going to be 28 years old forever. He's not going to be, you know, like that great forever. But he does, in my opinion, still have MVP caliber um, play for a few more seasons. So I think, I think he's still going to be able to play there unless freak injuries happen. Um, and that's a tough part. I think the last time... You know, Steph truly, truly was healthy. They went sixteen and one. I mean, that team was incredible. But that's what ha- that's what happened. They were unstoppable. Steph was also really good last season in the postseason. Um, he hurt his hand, but he's also he was also pretty damn good. It's just the expectations for Steph are so high, um, and so I think uh, I think he's got a, still got a few uh, few years left before he hits the uh, the old uh, the old wall. Um, also, uh, the system is built around Steph's off ball game. Uh, which if he is losing quickness on ball, which I think you could agree he's lost a little bit of quickness on ball. He is able to kind of um, weather that by playing off ball, because that's still something that he's better than everybody in the world at maybe outside of clay Thompson. Uh, So I think that that gives him also more time uh, to be just as effective. Absolutely. Um, Okay. We'll call it there. We'll be back next week. We're going to get a bubble pool going this week. For a little gambling, a little daily fantasy. I'm ready. Where is it at? Where's it going to be on? I think we're going to do DraftKings. Perfect. Um, ready to win some money, lose some money. I'm around, man. The, the, the people need sports back. Sam, you know, hope everyone's doing all right. No no bubble uh, positive stuff. So the NBA's doing something right. So DraftKings, um, we'll tweet it. Join us. Let's soon. go.